the Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky team, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Uh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. A social distancing tip. While the CDC urges you to avoid close contact, like hugging or shaking hands, there are other non-physical ways to say hello. Wave, wink, use sign language, salute, smile, give the peace sign, throw up an air high five, do jazz hands. Remember, stay a minimum of six feet or two arms length away from others and stay home if you can. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Ladies and gentlemen, in Philip Rapp's creation, the Bickerson. <laughs> It's Christmas Eve, and the Bickersons have not retired. Mrs. Bickerson is busy wrapping presents in the bedroom while husband John, exhausted as he is from the pre-holiday activity, puts the finishing touches to the tree, which stands proudly in the kitchen, the only other room in the Bickersons' small apartment. Listen. John? John? Will you bring the scissors, please? John? What is he doing in there? Oh, no. How can a man fall asleep on a ladder? I haven't got the heart to wake him. Oh, I'd better get him off of there. John? John! Oh, what's what's the matter, Blanche? What happened, huh? Oh, you poor dear. Did you hurt yourself? No, uh, no, I'm all right. How did I fall off that ladder? I must have fainted. Yes, dear, you were fainting like a log when I came. Why, John? What? You never even touched your dinner. Not a morsel of it. I don't like the looks of it, Blanche. Oh, stop that talk. It's perfectly good food. You let it sit there on the kitchen table for hours getting cold. You want me to warm it up for you? No, just tell me what's on that big plate. Are you trying to be funny, John? I'm not trying to be funny, Blanche. What is it? You know very well I can only cook two things. Liver and rice pudding. Well, which one is that? How can you be so nasty on Christmas Eve, John? Blanche, I just asked you a civil question, that's all. I didn't think it was liver because your liver always looks like rubber heels. That stuff looks more like scrambled eggs, so I thought it might be rice pudding. Well, why don't you taste it and find out? I'm not hungry. That's why you're always tired, John. You don't eat enough. I eat plenty. Well, what did you have for lunch today? Well, you ought to know. You packed it for me. And listen, Blanche, I'm getting sick of carrying my lunch to the office in paper 
sacks. Why can't I go to a restaurant like the other fellas? John, what are you talking about? I haven't fixed your lunch for two years. Oh, Blanche, every morning of my life I find my lunch wrapped in brown paper on the side of the sink. Lunch? That's the kitchen scraps. How do you like that? No wonder I never have an appetite. Why do you do that to me, Blanche? Go on. Eat some dinner and finish trimming the tree. I don't want any dinner. I want to go to sleep. Aren't you going to finish the tree? I can do it in the morning. But, John, tomorrow morning is Christmas Day. I expect a lot of people to drop in. The butcher's coming, and the milkman is coming, and the... Listen, Blanche, I can't afford to give those guys presents. Why did you invite them over? I didn't invite them. They're coming here to collect their bills. Bills? What bills? I gave you money for the bills. Well, I had to buy presents, didn't I? My sister Clara sent me a package, and I had to get her something in return. No, you didn't. Nobody asked her to send you anything. Well, she did just the same. So, I bought her a bottle of perfume. How much was that? $24. $24? Why, nobody can carry that much perfume. If it was only an ounce, silly. It's the latest perfume. Very daring. It's called Perhaps. Perhaps? For $24, you should get positively. Don't be so crabby, John. We're not going to fight on Christmas Eve, no matter what happens. Remember, you promised. Okay. I'm not even going to get mad because you didn't send me a Christmas card. I did send you a Christmas card. It isn't necessary to make excuses or alibis, John. I'm going to forget it entirely. I don't have to make excuses. I did send you a Christmas card. I mailed it five days ago. John, you you promised you wouldn't shout. Well, then, why are you goading me like this? You know I wouldn't say I sent you a Christmas card unless I had. I never received it. Well, then it got lost in the mail. Kevin. All the other cards came in. That doesn't mean anything. One card can get lost, can't it? If you sent it. I did send it. I swear I sent it. Had a wonderful poem on it, a beautiful picture. It was trimmed with lace. Cost me a buck. All right, John. Well, you don't believe me? Let's not discuss it anymore. Okay. But I hope you don't forget to send one next year. (sighs) What's the use? All right, so I didn't send you a card. That's all. Why didn't you just admit it before? There was nothing to admit. I just said I didn't send it to end the argument, but I really sent it. What did it say on it? Um, It said, uh, Merry Christmas to my love. That could be anybody. Let me finish. It said, Merry Christmas to my love, my wife, my life, my turtle dove. Life with you is great, it seems. I love you more than pork and beans. You're only adding insult to injury, John. Well, how do I know what it said? I can't remember what... What's that laying on top of the newspaper? There it is. There's my card. Oh, so it is. See, you didn't have to get so excited after all. Oh, thank you, darling. It's a lovely card. Wear it in good health. Well, let's open the presents and then go to sleep. Well, how could you, John? You know we never open presents until Christmas morning. Besides, you haven't finished trimming the tree. All it needs is a string of lights. One of the bulbs is blown. That kills the whole string. Well, can't you buy a bulb? The stores aren't open now. What time is it? Five past twelve. Well, that's good. It's Christmas Day. Let's open presents. You didn't even hang up your stocking. I haven't got one that would hold anything. They look like lace curtains. Come on, let's open the presents, Blanche. Come on, huh? Oh, all right. Say we haven't got very many this year, have we? Oh, who's this from? 
That's from Leo Goosby. It's amazing how you went to the one shaped like a bottle. Oh, oh, is that what it is? I hope it's good stuff. Ah, mm, that's not bad at all. John, that's shampoo. Shampoo? Why that chiseler, two-bit Leo? What do I want with a bottle of shampoo? And to think, I threw out 39 cents on a tie for him. What have you got there? It's another present for you. Oh, it's from your boss. No kidding. Gee, that's a big one. Oh, what is it, Blanche? A five-gallon can of lighter fluid. Well, that's fine. That's just what I need. I don't even own a lighter. Well, don't feel too bad, John. Maybe you can exchange it for something else. Last year, he sent me a bowling ball case. He must get these things in a rummage sale. I never heard of such presents. Here's one for me, from Louise Shaw. Shoot, bet that's a dilly. Oh, Louise always sends something nice. Not expensive, but it usually comes in handy. Well, look at that. What is it? It's a polo score pad. Isn't that nice? That'll sure come in handy. Honest, Blanche, you've got the weirdest collection of friends. Is there anything else? Just our presents to each other. Why don't you look at what I got you first, and then you can show me what you got me. Now, close your eyes. I'll unveil it. All right. I hope you didn't spend too much, dear. I don't really want anything. Open your eyes. Blanche. Oh, Blanche, darling. That way, that's beautiful. That's a dream. A portable bar with a brass rail. Don't you think a kiss is in order, John? Oh, a million kisses. Well, stop <laughs> kissing the bar. I, I meant a kiss for me. Oh, I'm sorry, darling. It's it's just too good to be true. Oh, you're wonderful. Uh, Blanche, that must have cost a fortune. Now, John, don't get angry, but I sold my fur coat. You you sold your fur coat? I wanted you to have the bar, and I didn't have the money. You sold your coat, that beautiful fur coat that you bought yourself for my birthday, that gorgeous bald mink? I got $75 for it. The bar cost 85 Oh, Blanche, you sh- never should have sold that bald mink. It doesn't matter. I have a cloth coat, and I never get cold. Yeah, but you don't understand. Um, Open the present I got for you. I can't wait, John. Oh, a muff. A fur muff. Genuine plucked skunk. I had it made special to match that coat. It can hold two full quarts, and you sold the coat. Oh, well, what's the difference, darling? Someday you'll make a lot of money, and then you'll be able to get a coat that'll match the muff. (laughs) I'm very happy, John. I know, but... uh, And you still have the gorgeous bar. That's just it. What's the matter? I sold all my bourbon to pay for the muff. That's great, isn't it? What a break for both of us. I think it's wonderful, John. What do you mean, Blanche? I've never been so happy in my life. We've both made a sacrifice, and that's worth more than all the gold and precious jewels in the world. Just to know that you gave up a prized possession is proof enough that you love me. I've always loved you, Blanche. I may holler and rant and act like a first-class crumb sometimes, but you never doubted that I loved you, did you? No, John. It's been seven years, honey, most of it uphill. I haven't showered you with diamonds or bought any yachts, but I try not to deny you anything. I suppose you have your little faults, what woman hasn't, or what man either, for that matter. We're both pretty sensitive people. Maybe that's why we beef so much. Still, I don't think we're any worse than any other married couple. At least we have a safety valve, and we can let off steam. Some of the others just carry it inside until the break comes. No, Blanche, 
I like it this way, and I love you more than anything on earth. John. Hey, hey, cut that out. I'll prove how much I love you. Where is that liver or rice pudding or whatever it is you made? (laughs) It's liver. I'll eat every bit of it if it kills me. Let's go. Merry Christmas, darling. Merry Christmas. Good night, John. I regained consciousness.
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Tom Sumner Program is hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the Briggs. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write us at TomSumnerProgram.com. Call us at 810-339-8255 or contact us on Facebook or Twitter. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner program where to go. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River. 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? This is Bob Hope back once again to tell you it's better to have Pepsodin flowing over your teeth now than to have water running under your bridge later. 
Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get through it. The Tom Summer Program.com. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody. Uh, this is the Tom Sumner Program, and uh, my next guest has been involved in health-related microbiology and immunology for the last 30 years. He has written two bestsellers, The Germ Code and The Germ Files. He is the go-to expert on infectious diseases in Canada and currently the host of the award-winning Super Awesome Science Show. Um, He joins me now by phone, the germ guy, Jason Tetro. Jason, welcome to the show. It is a pleasure to be joining you. Um, Jason, the the pandemic seems to have uh, picked up in intensity as we get into the, the cooler months. Mm-hmm. Why, why is that? Is this a second wave? Is it more of the first wave? Um, or is the first wave just, just gotten more intense? Where are we in that process? Yeah, so let, let's just start off with um, this is not my first pandemic. And it, it, if you look back at pandemics, um, you know, for me, my first one was the potential one in 1998, if you remember avian flu. Um, but if you go back even further, to, you know, the 1918, the flu, um, or even go back to like 542 AD with the plague in Constantinople, there's always this really interesting trend, and that is that there's this initial spike that happens when the um, pathogen, whether it be a virus or a bacterium, come out, and then it seems to go down for a little bit. And, and that's what we experienced in March. We had that big spike where, you know, everybody started hearing about this thing. It was kind of like SARS. Uh, and, and then papers started coming out about virus transmission, survival in the environment, the deadly consequences of infection. You know, it, it really led people to get scared of this virus and huddle inside. And, and you know, we all went indoors. Uh, and I remember that because, you know, everything just shut down. It's like the next day. And that's normal. That That's essentially what happens. But over time, it doesn't matter if we're talking about COVID-19 coronavirus, if we're talking about flu, plague, cholera, people start to get, I don't know what the word is properly, um, you know, we now have fatigue. But back then it would be something else. And what happens is they start not caring so much about what they heard before. Start to lose that fear, if you will. They become uncomfortable with restrictions. They want to get out and see their loved ones and their friends. They want to have a good time. And, and sort of well, coming back to COVID, we saw this happening over the summer, and, and we had this trickle in various places across the country. But it became a flood, and it started happening all over. And now here we are, just out of Thanksgiving, realizing that you know we've got more COVID cases than ever. Uh, I mean, we just heard about the, the Flint City Hall cl- as a result, I mean, my right. goodness, cold and flu season is coming. We've reopened the economy. Um, 
indoor gatherings are expected to increase because, of course, you know, the holidays. We're going to see malls packed. The malls uh, are, are just going to be a major problem. And then there's the fatigue that comes with that whole idea constantly hearing about the virus. I mean, it's been front-page news every single day now for like nine months. People get tired of the same old thing. They don't want to follow orders. They just want to get back to normal. Uh, well, for and, several know, weeks this summer, Jason, um, I, I saw people... Uh, routinely going to uh, uh, stores, uh, convenience stores, and, and big box grocery stores and, and department stores, not wearing masks. Mm-hmm. Like, like somehow the fact that it had gone down in the number of cases and things were beginning to open back up again was the all clear. Yes, and that's one of the big problems is when we talk about. Uh, any kind of outbreak, uh, whether it be, you know, a small localized one in a hospital um, or that epidemic like we saw with Ebola or this pandemic with COVID-19, the big problem that we always face is the cases start to go down, people start to think that it's okay to go back to normal. Because you have to, what we call, eliminate the virus from your land, your territory. And no one has done that because COVID-19 is just not something you can eliminate without something like a vaccination. And we can talk about that if you want later. But so even though they were thinking that things were going to be okay, it really wasn't because the virus was still lurking around. And then all it was doing is it was waiting for a particular age group or age category to start getting the virus on a much larger basis. And we saw that happen, the 20 to 40s. Um, And then... All of a sudden, you're going to start seeing these intergenerational gatherings, and we're going to start having this over the holiday season, and then it's going to spread around to other people, and then we're going to be right back where we started in March, and probably, based on what we've seen over it's going to be even worse. And we're just starting to see that now. Yeah, I, um, you mentioned <coughs> excuse me, the Spanish flu in uh, 1918, um, a little over 100 years ago, and I... I, I did a little digging on that when this all first started at the beginning of the year, and it was interesting because it dragged out for two or three years, and yeah. um, it was, uh, you know, reinvigorated, I, I guess you could say, um, or there was a resurgence of it um, with... Uh, uh, soldiers coming home from World War One and the celebrations and, and mm-hmm. so on that took place. But what was interesting is I pulled a newspaper notice, and they were doing all the same things. Uh, no pub- public gatherings of more than 10 people. Uh, they were closing theaters and, and meeting halls and, you know, all these different venues and encouraging people to stay in. And, and, it, and it read just like the kinds of notices that we were seeing um, after it started to uh, take hold in March uh, when we had a lot of the shutdowns. And, and I, I remember thinking... These two things seem so similar, um, maybe if not the disease itself, but, but certainly the way people are, are responding to it, um, that maybe we're in this for more than the few weeks or few months that people were anticipating when this first started uh, because of the experience people had 
100 years ago with the Spanish flu. No, you're absolutely correct. Um, I, I officially call it the pandemic timeline, and you've got it perfectly. It doesn't matter when in history it happens to be. Whenever we've seen these types of uh, events happen, um, you actually described what happened in 1832 in New York when cholera would hit. Um, they would shut things down. They would start closing places up. Now, in 1918, there's another thing that they also did, and they mandated masks which a lot of people don't realize. Back then, they had these gauze pads that were putting together in layers to create masks, um, and they were mandated in many areas. And once again, people just simply, they followed for a little bit, and then they stopped following. And that's always the case it is. We have these wonderful regulations that are put in place. And then what ends up happening is that people start deciding that they don't need to follow these regulations anymore. Now, sometimes we hear people who essentially say, well, it doesn't matter how deadly it is. We need to get back to normal. And, you know, that's a bit more dangerous. But when you start hearing about that out in the sort of the public world, what most people don't realize is that when you come into the private world of your own home, you actually start to get lax about things that you're doing to stay safe. And we've seen that. There are a couple of things that have been sort of... um questioned with masks for example um mm-hmm. i've heard the argument made that it doesn't protect you from uh getting the disease as much as it prevents you from spreading the disease which way does the the mask work best in filtering out um pathogens that are coming in your direction or is it mm-hmm. a measure to keep you from spreading it to others, or does it do both? It does both, but here's the problem. Um, when a mask is over your face, it's covering your nose and your mouth. So anything that you're pushing out is going to get caught into the fabric, or it's going to get pushed straight up or pushed straight down. Now, when that happens, you're reducing the risk to other people. So that's where this whole idea is you're protecting others. Now, a mask will also protect you from what is coming in, but you have to have a proper fit. So if you have just essentially a face covering that's made from, uh, you know, an old T-shirt, if you double that there, it's going to be effective, but only what's coming directly at you. If it's coming from the top or it's coming from the bottom, unless you have what is known as a proper fit, then it's not going to work. And that's one of the reasons why when we first started hearing about masks, all the way up to Dr. Fauci, he was saying, you know, it may not necessarily be the best approach because people just didn't know how to wear masks properly. Now we have all sorts of great ideas. We have overwires, so you can push them down and give a good seal on the top of your face. Um, you know, we, we have the ability to be able to tighten them so that they can make a nice seal over your chin and, and then onto your cheeks. And as a result of that, what it's going to do is it's going to give you that seal to be able to protect you from whatever's out there. So I know that this has really been contentious over the last bunch of months, but if you have a mask that is designed to um, fit your face properly, then it's going to give you that protection that you need. Um, but let me just point out one other thing. As much as we've talked about aerosols and, and it sort of being in the air and, you know, 30 meters away, et cetera, et cetera, or I guess in this case that's 90 feet, um, that's only a very, very small proportion. The majority of cases still happen from people who are within six feet of one another, and having any kind of barrier protection over your face 
is going to help reduce the chances that any virus is going to spread from one person to another. Is, In fact, Jason, I was just chatting with a, is a, six feet the magic number? Yes. And the reason for that is when you have a cough or a sneeze or any kind of pushing out of these larger droplets, gravity will bring them down uh, at the six-foot level. So if you are six feet away from someone, the majority of the really, really infectious droplets that have all sorts of virus in them are going to hit the floor. So that's one of the things that you need to think about. Where we start worrying is when we talk about the people who are singing or the people who are, you know, shouting and screaming and and all of these viruses are going to be in these much smaller uh, droplets that could possibly get out there. But if you've got proper ventilation, you don't have to worry about that anyways. So that's really another contentious issue, but it's very easily um, understood. Another contentious issue, and one of the things that I know you want to talk about, um, has to do with with surfaces. Um, it was, oh, yeah. you know, in the very beginning, the the advice was wear a mask, stay six feet apart, and wash your hands frequently. And mm-hmm. and and there was almost this sort of. Um, there were people talking about cleaning surfaces. Uh, one of the examples our governor in Michigan gave was uh, people going to gas pumps um, and, and you know, spreading germs through, you know, handling the, the pump itself at, at self-serve mm-hmm. gas stations. Um, but it was um, not really taken as seriously, not just by the public, but but by the science community, we didn't hear a lot about. In in fact, we we sort of were given the impression that that uh, surface contact wasn't a super spreader. Right. Well, it comes down to one factor, and that is time. A lot of studies that came out, including one that came out in the New England Journal of Medicine in April it really got people thinking that this virus can survive on surfaces for days. I'm sure you remember that. Yeah. And, yeah, I know. And so it's like five days, nine days, 17 days, 28 days in the latest one. Well, those studies were all done using uh, a test that I used to do in the laboratory all the time. And let me tell you something. If I wanted to keep a coronavirus alive for two, three, four months, I could do it. That wasn't a problem. And that's what they were doing. They just wanted to see how long it could last. But the one factor that nobody ever really talked about was what is the chances that that drop or whatever, or that, that little piece of virus is going to get onto your hands? Well, that's research that I used to do. The answer is when it's wet. And it's only going to be wet for anywhere from 45 minutes to two hours, depending on where you are. If it's drier, it may be a bit less. If it's more humid, then it's going to be a little bit longer. And when it's in that wet form, that's when it can actually transmit to your fingers. And also, your fingers and your hands are something that you touch your face with about 16 times an hour. So when you look at it from an ergonomic perspective, as opposed to just simply whatever the studies were saying, those 45 minutes to two hours are incredibly important. And moreover, when you're dealing with something like a debit machine, which people are punching in their PIN numbers, Yeah, that 45 minutes, I mean, it's going to be there. So that's where surfaces really matter. And one of the reasons why disinfection of surfaces is so important. Now, here's the thing. I did a study uh, up here in Canada. We were looking at different surfaces and stores, and the debit machine, people were actually using the cloths and the wipes on them. 
they were still the germiest place in the entire store. You know why? They weren't using what is known as a contact time. Every single disinfectant that you have has an active ingredient that has to remain on the surface for a certain amount of time. It could be 30 seconds, could be 10 minutes. If you don't leave it there for that amount of time, you're not going to get the kill. The problem is, is that 48% of Americans, according to the American Clean Institute, don't know that. <laughs> so I'm here telling you, you've got to leave it there for, you know, 30 seconds. It, it, it reminds me of um, the hand-washing thing. You know how we've always been telling people to lather for, like, 20 to 30 seconds, right? Yeah. Um, you, you sing happy birthday or, or you know, uh, you, you say the alphabet backwards. Actually, a lot of people got bored with that. So I've told them, look, if you want to do it for a proper amount of time, recite the movies that landed Meryl Streep an Oscar nomination and you're good to go. <laughs> um, but what people forget, I know, but look, then what people forget is that, well, once you rinse, drying is actually the most important part of washing. Nobody knows that. <laughs> so it's kind of like, okay, so make sure that you dry. It doesn't matter if it's a hand dryer. It doesn't matter if it's a paper towel or a towel or whatever. Just make sure that you dry. And then don't put that towel or paper towel on your face afterwards, please. I mean, those are the types of things that we need to be sort of refreshing people with. That's one of the reasons why I'm here working with the American Cleaning Institute, because it's, it's simple and it sounds so easy, but a lot of people forget about it, especially when they get the fatigue that we were talking about. You know, one of the things that I worry about, Jason, is when I'm washing my hands at home and there's a hand towel that, you know, just sort of lays on the counter next to the sink. Mm -hmm. And when I get done washing my hands, I use that hand towel. And the presumption is that, well, the last time I used it, my hands were already clean because I had washed them. So I can use this yep. many, many, many times. But maybe we should be changing those towels out more frequently. Absolutely. Uh, you should be changing those towels probably about once a week if it's just an individual. If it's a family, that probably every couple of days. And you want to be making sure that you get those good and laundered, hopefully with some warm to hot water. But the reason is that when you wash your hands, yeah, the majority of the microbes and the, and the dirt and the grime is going to go into the sink. It's going to get into the basin, into the germ, but there's still going to be left over. I did these studies, and it's neat because you probably keep about anywhere from 10 to 20% in the water on those hands that you've rinsed. And that's where the drying process comes into play because it just helps to get rid of that rest, uh, the, the rest of it. Now, Hopefully, you've done a good job and you've actually killed the majority of them, but that doesn't mean that they're all dead, kind of like what we were talking about with the pandemic. It wasn't all gone. And so it gets into the towel and then it can grow. If it, you know, bacteria love three things. They love water. They love food, which is what you give them with your you know, oil and dirt and grime. And they also like really nice warm temperatures, which, of course, most bathrooms happen to be. So, yeah, the, the bacteria are going to grow, and then all of a sudden your hand towel gets really germy. Um, you can always do the smell test. Just don't put it up directly to your face and do that. <laughs> because, uh, just, I mean, I, I know that the commercials for certain laundry detergents you know, do that, but that's after they've been laundered and no one's ever touched them. So <laughs> just to be sure. Yeah, there's that image of somebody just pushing a whole towel into their face. Um, I know. The thing is, is I understand, and it's so it's such a great vision. But I, if you've been using it for a few days, it's probably not a good idea. And and it's a great feeling if all the claims they make about the scent and the softness and all that are true. <laughs> 
Um, and, and who wouldn't, you know, who wouldn't want that experience? But getting back to this idea of surfaces, Jason, I am terrible about cleaning surfaces. I, I, <clears throat> I, I tend to be pretty neat and tidy, but not necessarily very clean. And that's something that that people need to take more seriously. I I run around the house periodically with a feather duster and call that good. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but but that's something we need to take a little more seriously. And I can't help you know being somewhat lazy, wanting to see if there's um, a, a ultraviolet version of the iRobot that will go around. <laughs> and sterilize everything <laughs> in my house um, automatically and somewhat autonomously. Um, it, what is going on when we see ultraviolet light being used? We're seeing it uh, being used in hospitals now because of the need to do things mm-hmm. very quickly. We've seen it for years with you know barbers and salon operators and uh, yeah. even even dentists and doctors offices where they have that that little uh, uh, uh oven looking uh, thing that that uh looks like a toaster oven but it has ultraviolet and they put their tools in there mm-hmm. and it sterilizes them um is that really effective and and are there any products, uh, you know, that you can walk around with a wand, you know, with ultraviolet light and help <laughs> sterilize surfaces? I'm asking for a friend. Uh, yes, of course. Um, unfortunately, um, even if you say genius dias with the wand, you are not going to be Harry Potter, first off. So just, just start off there. Uh, and, and the other thing you have to realize is that ultraviolet light does have the ability to kill. I think we've all heard about this with respect to the idea of cancer, right? Skin cancer, UV rays, etc. But you can actually purpose those UV rays to be able to kill microbes. And this has been around for decades. And I used to do this type of research myself. Now, here's the thing. What is the most important thing when it comes to ultraviolet light isn't necessarily how bright it is. It actually is the distance that it is away from wherever the target happens to be. Uh And so in order for you to have this to work properly, you have to have the power and you have to have a fairly close distance. Now, I've got um, friends with uh, ultraviolet lights in healthcare. They they literally look like those, you know, tree coat hangers where you can just bend them and, and get them into place and do all of that. And that's great. That works in a healthcare environment. We don't have that technology at the home. It's, it's just not around. And we do have some little boxes that we can use for our keychains and, and our wallets and stuff like that. Uh, but you have to sort of leave it in there for like three to five minutes, which isn't going to make you very you know, happy if you have to basically hold the ultraviolet light over something for three to five minutes. That's kind of one of the reasons why liquid germicides, as we like to call them, or what we call disinfectants or uh, uh, that you find on the shopping mall or in the grocery store, those are probably the best things for you because, A, they're easy to use, B, you can use them everywhere, and C, you just have to leave them on that surface for, you know, 30 seconds to a few minutes. And the best way to do that is simply to spray, walk away, check your Twitter, look your timeline, make a fleet, whatever that is, and then you can come back and, and wipe it down and you're good to go. More with the germ guy, Jason Tetro, straight ahead.
This is the Unknown Comic. And guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now. And now. And now, too. And even now. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. Take the following everyday steps to help avoid the spread of all respiratory viruses. Wash your hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. Cover your cough or sneeze with a tissue. Throw the tissue away and then wash your hands. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects or surfaces, such as remote controls and doorknobs. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. And stay home if you are sick. Call your health care provider if you develop fever, cough, or difficulty breathing. For more tips, visit cdc.gov. They say singing can help you remember things, so here's some tips for parents out there during these tough times. Number one. Make sure your kids wash their hands for 20 seconds after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside. Two. Virtual play dates, social and physical distancing can help save lives. Three. Tell them they're safe and show your love and pride. Yes, we'll get through this together. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Tom Sumner program is hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell, Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the Briggs. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write us at TomSumnerProgram.com. Call us at 810-339-8255 or contact us on Facebook or Twitter. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner program where to go. Do you have feelings of inadequacy? Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. Tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately. And with a regimen of regular doses, you can overcome any obstacles that prevent you from living the life you want to live. Shyness and awkwardness will be a thing of the past, and you'll discover many talents you never knew you had. Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila may not be right for everyone. Women who are pregnant or nursing should not use tequila. However, women who wouldn't mind nursing or becoming pregnant are encouraged to try it. Side effects may include dizziness, nausea, vomiting, incarceration, erotic lustfulness, loss of motor control, loss of clothing, loss of money, loss of virginity, delusions of grandeur, table dancing, headache, dehydration, dry mouth, and a desire to sing karaoke and play all night rounds of strip poker, truth or dare, and naked twister. Warning, the consumption of alcohol may make you think you're whispering when you're not. It's a major factor in dancing like a retard. May cause you to tell your friends over and over again that you're in love with them. Also may cause you to think you can sing. Alcohol may lead you to believe that ex-lovers are really dying for you to telephone them at four in the morning. Alcohol may make you think you can logically converse with members of the opposite sex without spitting. It may create the illusion that you are tougher, smarter, faster, and better looking than most people. And it may lead you to think people are laughing with you. 
Alcohol may cause pregnancy, and it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila! I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More with the germ guy, Jason Tetro, straight ahead. I think for a lot of people, one of the concerns when uh, experts like you and and others uh, suggest trying to disinfect surfaces and trying to keep things cleaner than we typically do, that they're going to, you know, have to be like Felix Unger from The Odd Couple and clean constantly, (laughs) Um, where most of us would rather be like Oscar and, you know, binge watch Netflix and Mm -hmm. never never really get around to it. But what is the, the turnover time? How often should we be cleaning surfaces? How, um, how how much do we have to do that? Or does it depend on how much we're in and out of the house and other people are in and out of the house? Yeah, I really come down to use, right? Um, I'm Theoretically, if you're cleaning your sink, your toilet, and your remote control every single day, that's probably a really good thing to do. Um, if you have a corner that's never really seen or touched, and there's really no chance that any droplets have gotten onto it, you could probably get away with a feather duster, right? So you have to do sort of an at-home risk assessment. And what are the germiest places? Well, the sink basin, the sink taps, the toilet, those are all going to be germy. The, um, you know, when you're looking at the kitchen, the counters, obviously, especially if you're handling all sorts of different types of food products, most people, though, they don't think about the refrigerator handle or the microwave handle, for that matter. My research, those are probably the germiest places out there. How many of us have disinfected those lately? <laughs> so it's really a matter of going around, looking and seeing what you possibly need to, de- to disinfect, and then doing that on a semi-regular basis. Now, with respect to the, thing, the microwave handle, the refrigerator handle, you could probably do that maybe once a week and get away with it. Um, but... You know, it really depends. And the beautiful thing is that we're seeing more and more products that are so consumer-friendly. Um, you know, the American Cleaning Institute surveyed looking at what people really wanted, and I think it was something like two-thirds of the people who were surveyed basically said, I just want it to be easy. Just make it easy. And that's one of the messages that have been gone out to, to, to the companies, and, and they've been doing that. I mean, whether it be your laundry with pods or whether it be with... Um, uh, you know, dish soap where you just spray and go, uh, or some of the, the others that essentially you're just spraying on a surface and either it dries, you don't even have to rinse it, or, um, you know, it, it's got a 30-second instead of a five-minute contact time. So that's really what's been going on. But for you at home, it really just simply means that it makes it easier for, do, for you to do something that is necessary to keep you safe in as little time and effort as possible. Well, that's that's uh, a relief uh, to me to find out um, that that doing a risk assessment helps 
um, at least focus the attention to the places that matter most. And that yeah. <clears throat> that is extremely helpful, Jason, because um, those those are areas that do get a little more attention from me. Um, I'm, I'm happy to report. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, under the fridge, you know, behind the TV, you know, those places I'm probably not going to get to. No. <laughs> Look, I'm the germ guy. I don't get to those. <laughs> and if you, I mean, and the beautiful thing is, is that if you do do a risk assessment, okay, you can just head over to the American Cleaning Institute website, just cleaninginstitute.org. You're going to see all sorts of resources there. That's going to help. And of course, you know, you can always ask me a question. I, I, except I'm really, really busy with COVID, so please go to the Cleaning Institute website for, <laughs> for the next 18 months or so until this pandemic's over. Then I'm happy to answer questions. <laughs> um, what do what do you think about the uh, announcements recently about uh, um, vaccines and uh, and therapeutics? Um, and and and, mm-hmm. and if you could fold into that this notion of herd immunity, you know, there are some people who walked around who got uh, pandemic fatigue early and said, "Well, forget it. Yeah. Just let everybody catch the disease, and then we'll be good to go." You know, the strong will survive, mm-hmm. and they'll be immune, and end of problem. Um, yeah. How how does that fit into it? And and you just mentioned eighteen months. Are we really looking at eighteen months to to really eradicate this and get back to normal? Yeah, um, we're going to have a, a uh, the the pandemic probably will be over around the late fall of next year. That's when the World Health Organization is going to have their press conference and will end the pandemic. Um, But it won't be until uh, 2022 that we really have any kind of normality back. Now, that's going to get helped because we are going to have a massive amount of immunity. And the thing is, you only get that in one of two ways. Either you infect everybody and you let them sort it out for themselves based on their immune systems, which is not the way to go. <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed Agreed. this. Agreed. When we talk about plague and cholera and other things, lots of people die. Or you get a vaccine. And the beautiful thing about the vaccines that we've heard about, we've heard about the two that have gotten the really great 95% uh, effectiveness. They're using a technique that actually uses your body as a way of helping to prime your immune system. So we don't have to worry about any of these issues with respect to, you know, people talking about toxins and, and other things being injected into your blood or into your arm. None of that. It's just basically a piece of genetic material that goes into one of your cells and says, hey, could you possibly make this protein for me? And, you put, and your body will make that protein. Your immune system is going to recognize it and say, hey, let's try and memorize this. And then after you've done that, you get a booster three or four weeks later, and then your immune system's like, hey, I remember you. I know how to fight you. And then when that's done, then you're protected for at least six months, probably going to be for several years, uh, against any kind of exposure that you get from the actual coronavirus. And when that happens, then you've got that immunity, and then you start seeing reduction in cases, and eventually the pandemic ends, and we can get to what we call elimination status. And everybody knows what that's like because we did it with measles. We don't have measles as much as we ever did before, and it was because of vaccination. And and f- and finally, uh, what, Jason? What um, is there a a checklist of those uh, 
uh, I don't know, we'll call them hot zones or, or priority areas that people should be making sure that they clean more frequently. Um, you mentioned the, um, what was it, the... Uh, uh, the Institute, the American, um, the American Cleaning, Cleaning Institute. Yeah. Is uh, is there a checklist or, or uh, something at a website where people can go and and you know have a, have kind of a template or a guide to follow? Yeah, they, if they head over to cleaninginstitute.org, the actual website itself is fantastic. They also have a very specific one for COVID-19 to be able to keep you safe at home. Uh, it's uh, basically uh, cleaninginstitute.org slash coronavirus. And essentially all it's going to do is it's going to give you that little bit of a help to be able to keep your home safe um, so that you can, you know, what they like to say is stay vigilant, make sure you're using your stuff properly, including, you know, washing your hands properly. Um, and, and to be honest with you, it's one of the best ways to be able to defeat fatigue. Um, I've had to deal with this in healthcare for decades where people just simply do not start following the proper rules for infection prevention. And it's always, always, always a refresher that's necessary. And so, you know, collaborating with the American Cleaning Institute helps, but it's up to you at home to be able to go to that website, learn a little bit, and if you do have questions, and I, I was joking earlier, you can always reach me and ask me a question. But, um, you know, I, I want you to stay safe this holiday season. And regardless of how the numbers are looking, you can actually do your part to be able to stay safe at home. And, and I hope you do that. Well, Jason, thank you for spending this time uh, with me and sharing your expertise. I appreciate it very much. It's been such a great time. I appreciate it as well. Thank you so much. Take care. That was uh, Jason uh, Tetro, the germ guy, and uh, he is—he's um, been involved in uh, health-related microbiology and immunology for the last thirty years plus. He's written two bestsellers, *The Germ Code* and *The Germ Files*. He is the go-to expert on infectious uh, infectious diseases in Canada and uh, currently the host of the award-winning Super Awesome Science Show. And, uh, you know, he mentioned the uh, American Cleaning Institute as a place to go for more information. And for more of the Tom Sumner program, stay tuned. <music> Hey, that wraps it up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner Program. I want to say thanks to the germ guy, Jason Tetro. And uh, also to my other guests, I want to make sure and say thanks to uh, game creator um, Alan Wolf of uh, You're Pulling My Leg. That sounds like a lot of fun. And the uh, tech expert, Andrea Smith, who joined us first thing this morning. Um, award-winning uh, tech journalist. Anyway, that's Smoking George Winters tickling the ivories. Let me know it's time to head down the hall to the living room. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll see you Monday. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. 
Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner program. And thanks for listening. 